Well, we're going to pause one week uh, tonight uh, from our series, our usual series, to the book of uh, Matthew by looking at an Old Testament prophet, Zechariah. Uh, tonight we're going to consider Zechariah uh, chapter 10, so we'll read the entire chapter. And Lord willing, next week we will resume our series in Matthew. But tonight we will start uh, the reading in Zechariah uh, chapter 10, verse 1. Before we hear God's word, if you would, join your hearts together with me in prayer. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ who has paid the dreadful debt, who continually reveals his conquering power and his infinite grace to us in his word. We pray that by your spirit, O God, that you would reveal just that, the power and the grace of Jesus Christ Uh, from this passage of Scripture. We pray that you would do this good work to the praise of your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Zechariah chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. Beloved, this is the word of God. Ask rain from the Lord in the season of the spring rain, from the Lord who makes the storm clouds, and he will give them showers of rain, to everyone the vegetation in the field. For the household gods utter nonsense, and the diviners see lies. They tell false dreams and give empty consolation. Therefore, the people wander like sheep. They are afflicted for a lack of a shepherd. My anger is hot against the shepherds, and I will punish the leaders. For the Lord of hosts cares for his flock, the house of Judah, and will make them like his majestic steed in battle. From him shall come the cornerstone, from him the tent peg, from him the battle bow, from him every ruler, all of them together. They shall be like mighty men in battle, trampling the foe in the mud of the streets. They shall fight because the Lord is with them, and they shall put to shame the riders on horses. I will strengthen the house of Judah, and I will save the house of Joseph. I will bring them back because I have compassion on them, and they shall be as though I had not rejected them. For I am the Lord their God, and I will answer them. Then Ephraim shall become like a mighty warrior, and their hearts shall be glad as with wine." Their children shall see it and be glad. Their hearts shall rejoice in the Lord. I will whistle for them and gather them in, for I have redeemed them. And they shall be as many as they were before. Though I scattered them among the nations, yet in far countries they shall remember me. And with their children they shall live and return. I will bring them home from the land of Egypt and gather them from Assyria. And I will bring them to the land of Gilead and to Lebanon till there is no room for them. He shall pass through the sea of troubles and strike down the waves of the sea, and all the depths of the Nile shall be dried up. The pride of Assyria shall be laid low, and the scepter of Egypt shall depart. I will make them strong in the Lord, and they shall walk in his name, declares the Lord. Well, we are kind of dropping right into the middle of Uh, Zechariah, really towards the end of uh, the prophecy that came out of Zechariah's uh, mouth. So we'll try to give some context to this uh, chapter, but the main point of what I'm trying to get across from chapter 10 is that the people of God should ask rain from the Lord. Ask rain from the Lord. Pray to God. And we'll look at what that means. And if you look, if you're familiar with Zechariah, if you've read chapter 9, there are a lot of 
positive things that the Lord declared to his people through the prophet in chapter 9. In fact, in chapter 9, we see that somewhat famous passage that's looked at and fulfilled in uh, the Gospels. Chapter 9, verse 9 says this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a coal, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And of course, we see in the New Testament that Jesus, as he's entering Jerusalem as the reigning king, as the king of Israel, he fulfills this passage. And we are told that in the New Testament, that he fulfills this passage here from Zechariah. And so, God, during this time, was telling his people through Zechariah that a king would be coming to them. And when Zechariah was preaching, the people of God were working on the second temple. The first temple had been destroyed. The people had been exiled. God had brought some people back from exile and caused them to begin rebuilding a second temple, which they did, in fact, complete. Well, the work languished for some time, and so they needed some encouragement. Here comes Zechariah with his preaching, the word of God. Zechariah, Haggai also would be involved in this as they preached to God's people who are building the second temple to encourage them in their work, to persevere in their work. And this was part of the encouragement. A king would be coming to you. There is a time coming when your king will come and he will take his place on the throne. And then towards the end of chapter 9, God says this, On that day the Lord their God will save them as the flock of his people, for like the jewels of a crown they shall shine on his land. For how great is his goodness and how great his beauty. Grain shall make the young men flourish and new wine the young women. That is the last thing that was said here before chapter 10 through Zechariah. A lot of positive Things Your people will become like jewels. They will shine. They will shine in the world like jewels. Now, if you were to read that and think that there weren't any problems, though, still with the people of God during Zechariah's preaching, we would be wrong. We see in this chapter that there was still idol worship among the people. We see that in verse 2. For the household gods utter nonsense, and the diviners see lies. They tell false dreams and give empty consolation. And we see here in this chapter that the people wander like sheep because there are wicked shepherds among the people, false leaders, wicked leaders. Both that was hap- had happened in the past, which was why they had been exiled in the first place, but it was also still happening. It was still happening even as they were rebuilding the second temple. So idol worship is still there. They were consulting idols. They were looking to idols for help, for strength. That was part of the problem as they worked on this rebuilding project. And so here comes this word from Zechariah to the people of God to encourage them, to point them back to the Lord God, to tell them to ask rain from the Lord. And that's what we see in verse 1. Ask rain from the Lord. That is what uh, God was telling his people here in this, in this part of Zechariah's preaching. Now, this word is coming to an agricultural society. 
In an agricultural society, the people of God 100% depend upon what comes up from the ground. Now, we still depend upon what comes up from the ground, but for the most part, other people do this. It's simply shipped in, and we go down the street to H-E-B, and we grab our broccoli and carrots, and we have what we need to eat for the week. Well, in the ancient Near East, for Israel... It was, very, it was much different. They depended on what came directly from the land. They worked the land, and they waited for harvest, and when the harvest was ready, they brought it in, and that is what they had for food, for sustenance. Now, in order for this to happen, though, they needed rain. We still need rain, but we don't feel this as much as this culture in the ancient Near East. If it did not rain, in an agricultural society, you did not eat. The crops did not grow. So no matter how hard you worked, no matter what you did or how much seed you sowed in the ground, nothing would come up without rain. And so as a people dependent on the ground, they were simultaneously 100% dependent upon the rain, which comes from God. If God did not bring the rain, then there would be no rain. And so God tells his people to ask rain from the Lord, not from household gods, which we see in verse 2. For the household gods utter nonsense. He says, ask rain for the Lord and from the Lord in the season of the spring rain. It's the Lord who makes the storm clouds. He will give them showers of rain to everyone the vegetation of the field. So you can see there the relationship between the rain that falls and the vegetation that comes up from the ground. And so they were fully dependent upon God who makes it rain to give them rain. Rain doesn't just happen, as a secular biologist would tell you or a secular scientist would tell you. It doesn't just happen. There are causes, there are processes that we can observe in the clouds, in the sky, and even in the evaporation of water from the ground. Certainly we can observe those things, but all of those things happen because of God's sovereign power. It says it right here. God makes the storm clouds. The Lord brings the rain. Now, maybe we're starting to feel this a little bit more acutely today here in Texas because it hasn't rained and it's been very hot and everything is dying. There is no vegetation anywhere. And so uh, we should ask rain from the Lord. But ultimately, we'll look at what else this means. Now, God is telling his people to ask rain from the Lord and not to pursue these things from dead idols. Now, in saying this, God did speak through dreams. We are told here of the people of God going after household gods, the diviners seeing lies. They tell false dreams. They say they've had a dream, and they tell the people of God, this is what the dream means, and this is what you should do. Well, God did speak through dreams at this time in the Old Testament. He did speak through, he did give his revelation through dreams. Daniel interpreted dreams. Zechariah, actually, this whole book begins with seven night visions, dreams that God gave to Zechariah. But those dreams reveal divine truth, the gospel. They reveal the truth of God's word. That's what comes from 
those types of dreams that comes through God's appointed prophets. But that is not what these people were going after, and that is not what they were hearing. They were hearing from false leaders false dreams, lies. They give empty consolation, and therefore the people wander like sheep. They, are, they lack a true shepherd to lead them in the right direction. And so God reminds them to pray for rain, to set aside the household gods, ignore the false teachers, ignore the liars, the false shepherds, and turn toward men like Zechariah, who's preaching the truth, and turn towards the Lord. He says, pray for rain. Now, first of all, and we saw this in verse 1, the rain, of course, would give them physical sustenance. They would need food to eat. They would need food to continue to work on the second temple. They would need energy from that food to, to finish the second, the second temple that they're working on. And in order for them to get that vegetation, to get that strength from the ground, in order for their herds to get strength from the ground as well, so they can also eat some of the meat from the herds, they would need rain. And so God tells them, pray for rain. Pray for rain that you might be physically sustained, that you might have physical strength to carry through with what you have been called to do. But God's people, and we see this here, we see this in the Old Testament, we also see that in the New Testament, that God's people are also to pray for spiritual sustenance. We can think of, we can look at the land and the vegetation that comes from the land and the rain that falls and the processes that happen to bring us food from the ground to remind us and to show us in a kind of visible way the way in which God sustains our spiritual life, the way in which he reigns upon our dead souls and brings about growing fruit from our souls. And that is what truly what the people of God needed in, at this time. They needed food for their souls. We look out today into the fields, even in this region, into our big lot out there, you'll see nothing but dead grass. And it's that way because it has not rained. Where all souls become like this. Our hearts become dead. They become dead to the things of God, dead to the truth, dead to the gospel. And therefore, we need to be watered. We need to be nourished with rain from heaven. And so we ask God for the physical sustenance that we need. We pray to God for physical strength to carry out all that we've been called to do as Christians on this side of Christ's coming and here at Providence. And we also ask the Lord to give us spiritual strength, to strengthen us in the inner man to give us spiritual sustenance from his word, to make it rain upon our souls, rain down your grace upon our hearts, O Lord, that we might carry forth, carry on with what you've called us to do. And so we ask for rain from the Lord, for spiritual rain, for our pastors, our elders, our deacons, all the members, our families, our children, our spouses. This is what we have been called to do, to ask rain from the Lord and not just Sometimes, all the time. And if we think about all the time in which we spend thinking about what this person should be doing or shouldn't be doing or 
what our spouse should be doing or shouldn't be doing, if we think about what our children, for that matter, should be doing or shouldn't be doing, if we think about all the time that we spend thinking about and putting energy into those types of things, why not put that energy into praying to God, into asking rain from the Lord, to rain down spiritual rain upon us, to give us spiritual sustenance. This is the thrust of this chapter, that the people of God would turn to the Lord, would turn to the Lord God of heaven to receive what they need to carry out their tasks. And so we ask for rain from the Lord, spiritual rain. We ask for physical sustenance, but also spiritual rain to help us in all that we do, to, prog- to grow in our faith, to advance in as Christians. If the Lord doesn't bring rain, all of our labors are in vain. And that's what is being brought out in these verses. Look at how God says, he follows this up. Look at how he follows this commandment, this exhortation to ask rain from the Lord with what he will do. Look at verse 6. Look at all all the listings of what God would do. I will strengthen. I will save. I will bring them back. I will have compassion on them. I will answer them. Hearts shall be glad and rejoice. I will gather. I will bring them home. I will make them strong. I will do this. God will do this. Ask rain from the Lord and then see what he does. This isn't just about vegetation from the ground, though it is partly that. Look at how God says he will answer them. I will strengthen them. I will bring back the lost sheep. I will unify them. I will save you. That is what God does, and that's what we pray for. When we ask rain from the Lord, we pray, God, strengthen us, save us, have compassion upon us, and that is what we get on the other side. He says, I will make them like his majestic steed in battle. This majestic steed are simply just horses. These are battle horses that uh, an ancient Near East army would use. And they were majestic and powerful, even beautiful. Earlier in this book, horses are given to Zechariah as part of his night visions. He sees majestic horses in his visions. And these horses in those visions represented or symbolized the Holy Spirit. And his work. Now, the people of God, as they ask rain from the Lord, God says to them, I will make you like those majestic horses. I will make you beautiful and powerful. I will make you and conform you into the image of myself by my spirit. That is what God is saying here. Ask rain from the Lord and then see what happens on the other side. I will make you like these battle horses that go out into battle. I will make you strong. I will make you beautiful. And this is a work, a direct work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of God's people. And so this is what we are after, friends. We are after spiritual strength. We are after compassion. We are after salvation. We are after gladness and joy. These are the things that we ask for that aren't necessarily tangible like the food from the ground, uh, or the cattle in the fields. 
But these are things that we know less very much need. And in fact, they do become tangible. They do become visible as God makes us like this in our inner man. And then we carry out and do good works for one another in our outer man. We use our bodies, our mouths, our strength, our voices to serve one another in love. And that's, that's where you can see the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we can see how God is answering these prayers. And so, again, we ask the Lord for this spiritual blessing um, from heaven. Now, there's a provisional fulfillment of these promises that happened in Zechariah's day. The temple was finished. It was completed. The people of God were given strength, and they were shown compassion by God to finish the second temple. There was joy and gladness. People were made strong. And so all of these things came to pass in Zechariah's day as they finished the the second temple. And that was a provisional fulfillment of what God promised to do. But there's a greater fulfillment, a more complete fulfillment, when Christ came. This is ultimately what these promises are about. The true shepherd coming to shepherd his sheep. The king mounted on the donkey coming to take his rightful place on the throne and to take possession of his people. Through Jesus Christ, God has gathered us. He has given us his spirit. He has strengthened us. He has made us glad. He has filled us with his spirit and he has made us like a majestic steed in battle. He has conformed us into the image of his son. He's given us the strength of his son, Jesus Christ. And so he has made us beautiful in this way, like an array of battle horses. And so that is what has happened since Christ has come. That this, all of these words have been fulfilled. And this is the work that happens in us, his people, today. And you and I here tonight. And yet God is still working. We're still called to ask rain from the Lord, to pray to him to ask him to rain down his spiritual blessings on us and our children. I'll notice here, too, that children are mentioned in verse 7. Then Ephraim shall become like a mighty warrior, and their hearts shall be glad as with wine. Their children shall see it and be glad. Their hearts shall rejoice in the Lord. And again in verse 9, Though I scattered them among the nations, yet in far countries they shall remember me. And with their children... They shall live and return. And so, these blessings have not only come upon individual Christians, they have come upon Christians and their families. This is how God deals with people in every generation, in whole families. He covenants with whole families. And so, it's us and our children. And so, when we ask rain from the Lord, we are praying for our entire family. That God would rain down his spiritual blessing on us and our children. Now, Lord willing, if you're a parent here, Lord willing, your children will outlive you. And they will continue on as Christians in this world. And so we pray for them today. We pray for them for spiritual rain. We pray for them now. They need this even now when we are alive and we are with them and we can counsel them and help them in this. But we need the Lord to do this. If God doesn't make it rain from the heavens, then nothing will happen. That's the point. You are a dead, lifeless, 
piece of ground that has no vegetation, no fruit whatsoever. You are like a dead tree with no fruit if God does not do work inside of you. And so, as people who have been recipients of his grace, and he is doing a work inside of us, that is not who we are. We are trees that are alive. We bear good fruit. And our children do the same. And yet we still need God to do this work. Verse 8, God says, I have redeemed them. This is what Christ has done for us, friends. This word redeemed has with behind it the idea of purchasing or paying a ransom to, pay, to buy back something um, that was taken away. You pay a ransom to purchase it back, to take possession of it once again. This is what Jesus has done. He has paid a ransom by his blood to save us, to take possession of us. And we see in these verses as well that God promised to set up a cornerstone from Judah. Verse 4, from him shall come the cornerstone, from him the tent peg, from him the battle bow, from him every ruler, all of them together. Jesus is our cornerstone. He is the foundation of the church, the cornerstone. He is the foundation of the church upon which all of our work and all of our blessings come from. And so when we ask rain from the Lord, we are really asking rain from the Lord Jesus Christ. That he, as the cornerstone, as the fulfillment of these words, would give us spiritual strength. That would give us all that we need for our bodies, but just as importantly and perhaps more importantly, all that we need for our souls. So pray, church. Ask rain from the Lord and he will give it to you.